sank the dark clouds deeper and ran the wild moon hunting alive with fur and feather as omen apparition we left the moon suspended and leapt back onto the ground Hello and welcome to the Antipodean Arts Podcast. This is episode 29. And I would really like whoever's listening right now to just take a moment to acknowledge your breath, to feel your body and to be present in this moment. And in the spirit of that, I'm myself trying to be present in this moment And I want to follow the wonderful teachings and advice from our previous guest, Mandanara Bales, who spoke to me about acknowledgement of country and that this is indeed not just something that needs to be done to be PC, to be respectful, but that this, as a witch, is a ritual. This is an ancient ritual that we have been gifted And so I want to approach it from now on in that spirit Um, and saying that I am privileged to be here with my wonderful friend, Theo, um, on the boundary uh, of West End here on the crossroads of Vulture Street and Boundary Street in so-called West End, on Karilpa land, uh, the land of the Yagara and Turbal people. Um, that I'm an honoured guest of, Ashe. Thanks, honey, Hi, for Dan. that. How are you going? I'm good. How yeah. are you? I'm very tired. It's super early in the morning. That's why that was a little <laughs> flat. I'm, yeah. Hi. Hi. Normally we see each other over an evening, don't I we? Know. I know. This is, <laughs> this is not my favourite time, but this is a good time no, for our guest, however. I'm so excited. And without further ado, I'm going to introduce um, this this woman, Um so uh, Cornelia Benavides is an author. Um, she has also been um, in the past a metaphysical minister uh, for 12 years. She is an initiated priestess of two witchcraft traditions um, in Turtle Island or North America. And she has long been involved in the craft. And she also uh, worked directly with Victor and Cora Anderson. Um, so she, you know, she's a well-respected elder and... I'm very glad to have her on the show. Cornelia, are you are you around? Are you there? Oh yes, here I am. <laughs> hey. Hell yes. That was enthusiastic. <laughs> I love it. So we'd love our listeners, you know, it's great if we can just hear you talk a little bit about like who you are, what you value, and what what is it that you kind of do. Wow. Um well my I guess what uh, would explain it perhaps the best is one of the books that I wrote, which was the second one, and it's called Transpiration, Poetry and Storytelling as Our Spiritual Portals. And uh, I often recommend this book first, even though it was the second that I wrote in a series, because it explains my background and how I came from two sides or two traditions of people that were very that were full of storytellers uh and so my uh, my father's side of the family 
one side was uh, Native American and Mex uh, Mexican Indian and and um, and Spaniard, which also included the Basque people. And then on my mother's side, I was a uh, German with one roots going all the way up to Sweden and the Sami people, which are, you know, some people call it the Laplander, but the proper name is Sami. And, uh, and also into Lithuania and, uh, and uh, other and Northern Italy. And so both sides of the family were full of stories. And on the German side in the 15th century, they fled the Catholics and were being killed for being pagan. And on the Spanish side of the family, they, um, there was a mixture of those that were very much Catholic, but they were uh, also uh, hiding uh, the, by their um, traditions within the Catholic structure. So you often find many Mexican curanderos that utilize um, Catholic saints in that kind of way. And I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with that. And um, so, um, but be that as it may, <laughs> by... Um, my parents, after uh, marrying in Germany after World War II, and then coming to America with, with my mother having me in her belly, uh, she wanted uh, us to all be good American Lutherans. And, you know, and so, and because she, she felt that that would be the safest and nicest thing to do. And then we could tell our little thing within the family and, uh, and that way everything would be cool. The problem was, is just like in Victor's story, I was a bit of a precocious child and I didn't like the idea of everything being quiet. You know, I thought if it's spiritual, it's spiritual. So what's the matter with everybody? Why can't we talk about these things openly? And so that sometimes caused a little bit of conflict. Um, and when my grandmother came to visit when I was eight years old to America, she dragged me out at eight years old into the cornfields and whispered uh, Gnostic tales to me. And I and I said, oh, Ma, you know, why are we whispering in the middle of a cornfield? And she looked at me very seriously and said, because you do not realize how many people died to bring you these stories. And that was um, kind of like my one of my woe moments in uh, in terms of saying, oh, there's a lot more to this than than what's on the surface. You know, it's more than the pretty fairy tales that my mother reads to me, and it's more than folk stories. There's a lot more deeper stuff going on. And then I guess some people do ask me and say, well, Cornelia, how can you be so sure of yourself? How can you be so self-confident in what you believe or how you function in your life and uh you know how how do you know that whatever you were taught by victor or the things that you explored how did you know that there was truth there and my answer to them is that i started having 
spiritual experiences at a very young age. And probably my most significant one happened when I was about seven and uh, where I had a great revelation at that time. And that and others that came after that were like the proof in the pudding. So even though when I was a teenager, I wanted so much to be like my friends and just have life be simple and be a good Christian girl, but it was not to be. (laughs) (laughs) I I, uh, resonate with that wholeheartedly. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So I guess that's uh, the best way I can kind of... uh, bring it together. (laughs) Yeah. What a fascinating like upbringing you must have had. And to, I guess, also be um, in contact with your um, grandparents like that and your, um, your family to be all together like that, to be able to learn those stories direct from, from her lips. I often miss all of those conversations that I had with my grandmother and, and yeah, wish you could, wish I had a way of recording all of those stories, you know, her voice. It's awesome that you were there. I think what's really interesting is that we, all three of us have, I know all three of us have had that access to old world tradition Mm. in our lives. And I think a lot of modern witches actually, because of the whole Margaret Murray thing and because of a lot of the early, I guess, founders of contemporary craft traditions, like often lying, <laughs> um, uh, there's there's like a sense of like oh well then everyone's lying mm. you know Every, everyone has right. a, everyone has a grandmother story oh yeah that and it's yeah. like you know actually some of them some of them are quite real we kind of do <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, and that's always really interesting to me and I, I get quite quiet about that but also I guess because it's my grandmother story actually involves a culture outside of Europe Mm. it's been easier for me to talk about it because it's not going to be immediately oh that's not true but I just do know so many people like Brody Ann and like Cornelia um, who have these really powerful stories about connection to folk tradition and to Gnostic mythology and to you know the ancient things that do continue to pass I, I wonder Cornelia like like how how is that for you to hold those things and then to also have inherited these other traditions which you have inherited as as an adult? Well, I they all fit together and blend together beautifully. Um, you know, the uh, woman who was the head of the Amron Metaphysical Church, her grand her mother and grandmother were from England. And they, uh, and she, her, let's see, I guess it would have been her, her grandmother had the tradition that was a sort of witch druid type tradition. And, and she would tell me the tales of how she inherited that side. And then the other side of her was Jewish. And so, so she, so for her, it was a very natural coming together and, one of the things that Victor would like would, would point out to me was how different threads, uh, how, how you, you know, of course, how we can call it the current or we can call it mana or we can call it um, uh, the, the web of weird. But but it is what ties 
all of the earth together. He said, just like the earth itself has um, magnetic powers that are a part of what hold it together and, and enable the energies to, to operate so that we have the wind and the tides and all these different influences. The same is true of people that we have within our electric body connections. And those connections are the oldest and truest of what connects us to spirit and what is ultimately the way life really is. And why we're so confused right now is because it's been layered upon layered over the thousands of millennia with uh, politics and government and and uh, religions that have uh, separated us, us from uh, who we really are as as people on this planet. So true. So, you know, for me, it was always because I had such a mix of traditions uh, growing up. For me, it was very easy. Uh, and, and I think another part of it was that my mother comes from an incredibly psychic family. And my father has it also uh, in, in his line as well. There, it's just I'm a little bit more familiar with all of it from my mother's side because I spent more time with her because my father was working all the time. But that when you have that more a legitimate part of you even if you're trying to fight it it's if it's you it's you and you can come to see those interconnectedness um with all people you know i i remember even as a small child finding that who i resonated with was not necessarily the children from a uh, uh, a German background, lots of times I find myself resonating with uh, Black children or with uh, children from other cultures that were different from mine because what was resonating between us was an understanding or a connectiveness that we didn't even have to say anything about it. We just knew it was there. Yeah, I've actually um, had a similar experience all the way through school. And uh, I think that was at times, yeah, confronting or, or even, you know, worrying for some of my family that that mm-hmm. was not not to be discouraged, but that I w- would, I guess, um, start to change my my behaviour or my, my practices or beliefs, even as a young child, to be more sympathetic with or to to um, blend with my my friends and, and different cultures. That was just something mm-hmm. that was always very natural to me and I hadn't heard it explained that way. But, yeah, I guess we were drawn to each other um, and there was an, un, an understood kind of sense of energy and that things were bigger than. And I think we were always, it was always the people and kids that were talking about spirit or ancestors or even just good ghost mm-hmm. stories, you know, that you would find yourself mm-hmm. being drawn in. Maybe. Yeah. Yes. It's like um, I had a, 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 a an experience in the Bahamas 
that was very um, uh, interesting in, in that kind of way too, where um, uh, we, we were there on a little vacation and this uh, very dark skinned young man said, Oh, you know, you're you're one of those, you know, American kind of hippie type girls. And and he says, I'm going to introduce you to to um, Mama Rosa. And I said, who's that? And she says, oh, she's my auntie. And he said, you'll love her. And then uh, and he takes me down. And here in this fair was this very old woman who was weaving straw hats for the tourists and had the darkest, blackest skin that I think I have ever seen. And she she throws me this gigantic smile and her eyes light up and she says, oh, hello, cuz. <laughs> and and her, it turns out it was her nephew and he says, Mama Rosa, how can you call her cuz? She's just really white as could be. And she looked at him and she said, now, boy, if you would come here and learn at my knee, you would then you would then see with true eyes. And if you saw with real eyes, then you would know that she is exactly our cousin. And then he looked at me and he looked at her and he says, well, I guess I'll have to leave you alone. <laughs> and we sat out and we naturally had this wonderful conversation. And I later told Victor about the uh, encounter and he roared uproariously and he said, that is exactly it. That is what happens when you truly see, when you um, when you are uplifted to truth and then you recognize one another because the differences between us is not so much about skin color or even uh, national affiliations. It is about classism mm. and all of the varying ways that uh, politics and religion tries to separate the common folk so that they can have control and we fall for it every time, every time. He says, I, I don't know if America will smart up and we'll see that it's coming all around again. And mm -hmm. if we're really lucky and hopefully if people kind of wake up, they'll, they'll see the plot for what it is and maybe we'll be able to get through it without shit completely hitting the fan. <laughs> yeah, pretty relevant to right now. I've actually been kind of uh, taken aback by, I guess, one of these things that we just assume, and I should never assume anything, that mm -hmm. other magical practitioners or people who at least have an interest in folk uh, traditions or history, you know, just spirit in general, would mm -hmm. would have any any uh, inkling of of uh, racism or racist tendencies, and I've I've just been so shocked at the amount of people I'm lucky I haven't had many that I'm friends with online or anything like that. But, you know, the other people I respect within ma the magical online community, I guess, uh, mm -hmm. are having huge issues with it and having to cull all sorts of people are coming out of the woodwork. And, uh, I mean, mm -hmm. I guess naively thought that, silly, that, that witches or, or magical people would, would just get that, that it would be a given that we are all connected and that we are the same, but, but different and understand the complexities of that as just a natural yes, extension right. of who we are as witches. Right. Well, 
Mitchell once said to me, he said, look, if you go up to Mount Shasta, and Mount Shasta in California mm. is a very sacred I've mountain. I've heard about it. To- I want to go. <laughs> yeah, it's a beautiful place. And he said, and if you were to go up there and say you were just some college student and had heard a little bit about, uh, you know, Native American practices and you know, you decide that you want to go up there and feel the vibes and be a little Indian, right? He said, so, and he said, you go up there in that headspace and you have a choice. He said, you have a choice to introduce yourself, to admit that you know nothing about what you're doing, that you just want to acknowledge the spirit of place. And if you happen to have a little drum with you and know how to drum it, or if you want to sing a song or whatever, light some incense, as long as you are being honest about who you are and that you're just here to present yourself, no spirit would, uh, you know, look down upon you for that. But what spirits do become very angry about is when you have people coming up with a bunch of uh, regalia and mm. uh, painted feathers and they go in and they stomp all over a burial ground or dig up Indian uh, relics and take it away. He said, those are people who are so ignorant and 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 some of them, he said, can it can go go all the way from ignorance to being downright evil. Just evil. And he yep. said, and and that's the difference. He said, a spirit is so much more gracious and forgiving and understanding. All you have to do is to be respectful and humble. And if you have those two things, they'll give you a lot of room because they know you don't know. But it's if you throw that aside and just try to bully your way in, that's when all the trouble starts. Yeah, that is uh, that is my experience too. Um, so you're you're talking about Victor a lot, and we have had um, a one fairy initiate on here who lives in Britain um, um, speak to the speak to you know their understanding of the, how they practice the tradition, and and you work directly with Victor. And and you, Cora. I don't know if you worked directly with Cora, but you worked with the Andersons and in their home, and you took care of them, um, and they took care of you, I guess, too. <laughs> um, I I I would love if you could speak a little about your relationships with them, whatever you're comfortable sharing, because I know a lot of people would be so intrigued by that because that's a rare experience. Well. <sighs> When it comes to working with, um, I, I I trained more with Victor than I did with Cora, but I did have my time with her also, and um, and Cora would always admit to me that you know she said, hey, you know I'm not saying that I'm totally ignorant. She said, but I have my ways and my ways for my family and what I've learned. And also I have a fondness, more of a fondness for Christians than Victor does, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you know, but she said, that's, that's only because of the, the virtue of 
we had different experiences. If it hadn't have been for the Christians that were kind to me and my sisters, uh, there were times where, you know, we would have starved so badly. But because of their kindness, um, you know, I was clothed and I was uh, given food and and there was never nobody ever forced me to worship Jesus or anything like that. She said it was a much more natural, uh, more kind of mystical kind of Christianity that I grew up with. And so I have no problem with it. But unfortunately, Victor had uh, a lot more negative experiences. And that's not to say that he doesn't have his fondness for, for Jesus and Mary when he speaks about them. But as far as the Christian religion goes, uh, he really, uh, you know, it's not his cup of tea, to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> A good way of putting it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and so... Um, and so the, the lovely thing was, is that because of how my life sort of rolled out at the time, I was able to like hop on the BART in San Francisco and BART it all the way over to where Victor was and walk a couple of blocks to their house. And I would spend the day, sometimes I even spent the night. And I, it was like, a very natural way of it was like living in the village and going to the to the shaman and 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 sitting at their knee and and then telling you stories and that's basically how Victor went for a lot you know to him telling stories was his way of also uh, testing you and working you to see if you were really paying attention and if you really. Uh, you know, and how much you would uh, understand or if you were taking what he was saying and trying to turn it into something else in your head to fit with whatever background you had. And why, why he was so pleased with me is because I really took him at his word. I didn't try to re-digest what he was telling me if he said you know what did I say you know what what did you feel it means and is this what I meant and you know and I was able to pass those tests with him and as I as over the years then he would tell me more things of about his personal life and uh, teachings and 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 his personal experiences uh, that brought him to uh, to where he was as a as a as a grandmaster. And then when I worked at Amron, occasionally I would have clients that would come over because I was also a counselor and a reader at that church. And there was um, like one time, and I, I think I tell this story in one of the books, um, this man came over and the minute I saw him, I saw in his aura this weird kind of darkness and these buzzing things that were buzzing around him like gigantic angry bees and I thought whoa that guy must really be in a bad mood you know because I had never seen anything like that before so I wasn't sure how to interpret it 
So uh, this man sits down and he was very handsome and uh, looked like he, he, you know, came from some money too. And he bursts into tears. He starts crying and he tells me that he had, um, that he had gone to Hawaii for vacation and that, um, and that he uh, came back from Hawaii and he feels that he has been cursed and that his entire life and business is falling apart. He can't sleep. He says he feels constantly ill inside, uh, constantly nauseous. And, uh, and he hears this buzzing sound that keeps him awake at night. And I, and, the, and I was hearing the buzzing too. And so I, I asked him and I said, well, the last day you were in Hawaii, tell me exactly what you did from the time that you woke up till the time uh, you left. And he tells me everything. He also says that he never picked up any rocks, that he he knew the Hawaiian thing about not taking Pele's rocks from the volcano. Uh, he, he didn't even really buy many tchotchke things. He said, what I did, though, was go to a bookstore. And he said, and there were some interesting books, and I bought some books. And I said, oh, really? I said, what kind of books? And then he let me know. And one of them was a book on Hawaiian mysticism. And so I said, well, that's really interesting. And I said, you know, I'm going to have to take you to an expert. And uh, I gave him Victor's name. I called up Victor and I said, I'm sending you this man because it's kind of beyond what I know at this point. But I have a suspicion that his problem has something to do with his visit to a bookstore, though I'm not quite sure why, but, but you know, check it out. And so, you know, he went to Victor and Victor saw immediately, I didn't tell Victor much, you know, uh, just the bookstore, but Victor right away saw the buzzing things and he goes, oh, he said, my goodness, you are under a curse. And he said, let me find out what it's all about. And it turned out that what it was, was one of the books, and it was the Hawaiian book, um, had belonged to a kahuna and the kahuna had reluctantly lent it out to someone that he knew who was another, um, like a, an apprentice kahuna. And, uh, and the person, something happened. Uh, they, they just disappeared. They never came back. The book never came back. The kahuna got very, very angry. And so he cursed the book so that all these terrible things would happen to the person until they brought the book back. Well, the book never came back because either the person died or they left Hawaii. Uh, and because the book ended up in the, um, in the sale bin <laughs> in this bookstore where, the, where this man fished, fished it out. And all those energies that were on the book were looking for the owner. We're looking for who is, who's got their hands on this book. So the minute he claimed it and said, it is my book, it opened up the curse. And there he was. So um, Victor had to explain to these entities 
that, you know, they had the wrong person, that the person they were plaguing was innocent. And then he, he said, now, I want you to call, uh, I want you to go to the bookstore, and I want you, uh, I, uh, or, or if you can't go, then put up, tell the people at the bookstore to put up a sign and say, and tell the story and see if someone will show up. And sure enough, uh, it didn't even take that long. In a couple of weeks, the word somehow got passed along and the kahuna came and picked up the book at, at the desk and he got his book back and the young man was completely free of all of the things that had plagued him. And both Cor both Victor and I received a huge bouquet of flowers. <laughs> so, so yeah, it was, that that was you see. So when you when you see that, you know, it, it, and that there's no mistaking that Victor was just a guy with a beautiful voice, and that he could. Um, you know, and that he told stories, but that he was the real deal. Thank you for sharing that personal <laughs> story with us too and with all the listeners. Um, so we're, we have about 10 minutes left and I'm wondering, Cornelia, we had spoken about um, – in our previous discussions about like what it is that, especially even related to your, you know, your time with Victor, because I know that he spoke to you about it too, but like, what is it that we can actually, you know, we, this planet is under siege from all kinds of things. And I'm, I'm wondering what your insights are there and how, especially spirit workers and witches, what, what can be done in order to, redirect and reweave well my uh it's like it's not so much about plugging myself it's just that this is why i did this um the the book that came out in the most recent book is called journey for tomorrow and this was an adventure that i had in 1986 when Victor sent me on a cosmic quest and also the cosmos itself was letting me know, you know, they were butt kicking me and letting me know, Hey, this is going to happen. And, um, and the whole adventure, you know, a lot of it is humorous and, and a lot of it is, uh, has all these different elements to it, but ultimately it all comes to fruition on the top of a volcano where I had a very deep and surprising encounter with an entity there. And I can't say who it was. I mean, we just got right into the meat of it. And so there weren't any real introductions. So uh, all I can say is that how the voice of this being was and energetically, it seemed to lean to me more female than male. And, um, and what we spoke about is a time period that was unfolding of 
where America was going and also where the world was going and that we would uh, we spoke about uh, the timing of it. And we are now uh, fully on the other side of that timing. And everything that we discussed has kind of basically come to pass and that we are now the same as the Native Americans, the Hopis say, that we are now in the time of judgment. And that judgment is not just so much a judgment of the gods upon us, but it is us upon ourselves. And it is also um, the judgment is not also necessarily condemnation, but it is, are we awakening to judgment? As Victor would say, are you using your nut, Cornelia? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, you know, that we are now at a point where we have to use everything that we have learned and uh, and apply it properly. And he said, you know, there's a lot of people, he said, that know a lot of things, but they don't know how to apply it. And that's part of the problem. And he said, and then there's a lot of people who apply things, but they don't necessarily understand the big picture. And because of that, it gets all confused. So right now, what what I feel is the big key to everything is us being able to listen to one another, to respect uh, the teachings and the elders of all traditions, because there is so much wisdom in the world. That's something my grandmother taught me too, uh, both, both of them. Uh, that that there is all this wisdom that is available and it's not necessarily in books, but it is there and you can reach it either by asking through prayer to receive it and you will either be led to the proper people who will give it to you or you will receive it in your dreams or you'll receive it in some way. But the key is asking. And when you think about it, even Jesus said that, you know, knock on the door and it'll be open to you. And if we as people can start doing that and not right away knee jerking and accusing us of all our sins that we make in innocence or that we make out of emotional anger or out of frustration, but give each other enough of a break to be able to utilize what we can give to each other and then work with the gods that be and the earth itself to bring healing, then things could really change and it would happen fast. You know, everybody thinks that this is such an insurmountable thing, uh, but it, it's just, it's the plug that's the problem. If we can pull the plug, you know, the water will run. And, and that's where we're at right now. <sighs> yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing uh, that with us. Um, so if people want to access these books or 
even write to you. I don't know if you're open to this that. This is your spot. We want you to plug away. Yeah, this now- is that bit you weren't sure. We want you to do it. We want everyone to be able to find you and find your amazing books. So go for it. Okay, well, my books are available on Amazon. And I have, um, there is um, Victor Anderson, an American shaman, and Transpiration, Poetry and Storytelling as our spiritual portals, and then Journey for a Tomorrow. And then, uh, uh, and those are all under my name, and they're out of uh, an English publishing house, uh, uh, you know, Mannion Press. And uh, and then I also have under C.B. Doyle, you know, Doyle is my husband's name, uh, and I write fiction and I have a book out there called In the Shadow of the Other, which is a historical fantasy. Ooh. That's my jam. I'm just getting excited. <laughs> <laughs> so that was... That was actually that was actually my first one. So my big ambition is to uh, eventually uh, rewrite it again and include more, and maybe uh, make a double book that would include a uh, sequel. Ooh, to stay posted. Thank you so much for coming on our show. Oh, we really appreciate it. Be, it. Um, it would be amazing well, to have you again you. because you're a very um, en- enrapting, I don't know yes, if that's I, a word. Yes, I was just rapturous entranced. That's that that's <laughs> well, magical you. storytelling. We felt it. And I'm sure all of well, our listeners did too. Yeah, well, I, I've been just so excited to be able to do this and I, I'd love to get to know both of you even better. And also I've been wanting to tell you, Theo, you have a lovely voice. Please keep singing. I know, doesn't he? Yes. Uh, Don't you? you? Oh, it's so beautiful. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you very much and good evening to you. You are our first North American guest. You're number one. You're, you're the first one. Wow. <laughs> I feel very honoured. We feel honoured. No, we feel honoured. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Goodbye, everyone. All right. Bye, everyone. Bless it be. We lay upon the hill that lay beneath the wolf sky. We felt the dark clouds falling and an apparition. And with the thunder rolling, our house this has been the Antipodean Arts Podcast. Music by Wendy Rule. The song is Wolf Sky.